Hello, peoples, and welcome to another episode of Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. I am your host for the day, Ryan Siebold, coming at you with another I Got Five on It five-minute mini-review. Today's film is 1960's Eyes Without a Face. Directed by George Franju, Google has it described as Dr. Genesier is riddled with guilt after an accident that he caused disfigures the face of his daughter, the once beautiful Christiane, played by Edith Scobe, who outsiders believe is dead. Dr. Genesier, along with accomplice and laboratory assistant Louise, played by Alita Vali, kidnaps young women and brings them to their mansion. After rendering his victims unconscious, the doctor removes their faces and attempts to graft them onto Christiane's. Now to start, let's get into a little bit of film history as I understand it. This is a French film, and if you go back to late 1950s France, when this movie was in production, the French at the time were all into French new wave cinema. They saw little merit in the horror genre, with low-budget films coming out of the United States and England that just weren't impressing them. They wanted to make art. Enter a producer named Jules Borcon. He was impressed with what directors like Alfred Hitchcock, for example, were doing with the genre at the time, and just getting started, and he said, hold my beer, I want to take a stab at this. Pun intended. So Borcon buys the rights to the novel Eyes Without a Face from author Jean Redon and hires a director, Georges Franjou, who at the time was mostly a documentary filmmaker. He had only made one feature film to date, but the documentaries he was making were very dynamic and had a very visceral edge to them, covering things like post-Nazi occupied France and even slaughterhouses. So Franjou agrees to direct and proceeds to stack this thing with talent, starting with hiring writers Boileau and Nassijac, who wrote the novels that Les Diaboliques and Vertigo were based on. So they were kind of on the come up at this time. They were the new hotness. They adapted the book and gave him a screenplay. Then he goes on to hire cinematographer Eugene Chouffetan, who most people would know as the DP that shot Fritz Lang's Metropolis, which even by today's standards is bananas. Little bit of added trivia, he also developed a process that he called the Chouffetan process, named after himself, of course. In those days, they didn't have matte paintings and double exposure. They certainly didn't have blue screen or CGI. So he developed a process where he would use mirrors tilted on an angle that would reflect small-scale models and things off-camera and cut the mirrors just so, so it filled up just a little bit of the frame, and he would use that as a mat, and it would give a bit of a forced perspective dynamic and allowed him to add things like skyscrapers or big sci-fi landscapes like in Metropolis. It's actually really cool, the Shufton process. Look it up. I had no idea. Another department head I'd go ahead and throw in the mix here is Maurice Jarret. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but this is David Lean's guy. He did all the music for all David Lean's stuff, including Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Zhivago, and on and on. This guy crushes. And Eyes Without a Face is actually one of his very first feature films. I was surprised to find that the film itself wasn't so much a hard horror, but more of a suspense thriller. It really plays out like about an hour and a half long Twilight Zone episode, if I had to compare it to something. But I really, really enjoyed it. They kind of dance around some of the gory stuff until you get into the middle of the second act. And then there's a pretty graphic surgery scene where Franju's documentary-style filmmaking really shines here because he just hangs on some of this stuff and lets you sit in it. The narrative of this film is pretty simple. It's exactly what I described at the top of the show. But through this simple narrative, rather than shock you with jump scares or things like that, Franju allows you to know what's coming and then holds you there to digest the scene and the following shots through the filter of all the emotion that's going on. I couldn't help but think that a lot of the horror and suspense that we're used to seeing today wouldn't exist without a film like this. The film is probably most well-known for the mask that Edith Scobe wears as the daughter Christiane to hide her lack of a face throughout the film. And holy crap, is it creepy. John Carpenter cites the emotionless mask as one of the inspirations for the mask that Michael Myers wears in the Halloween franchise. But I gotta say, I think Edith Scobe's mask is actually way, way scarier the way it's shot and lit. 
Hats off to her as an actress for being able to emote like that and evoke any emotion out of the audience with her entire face covered. I'd say for what she had to work with, it was a pretty stellar performance. Like I said, as we get further along into the film, the mask comes off, we see certain things, it does get fairly gory for the time. I guess they had to edit a lot of the gore that was found in the original novel to make sure it would make it past certain international censors at the time because it was a lot stricter back then, as you could imagine. But you could tell, they definitely rode that line hard and pushed some boundaries, especially in like two or three specific scenes that I won't spoil here. The film came out and was originally received very poorly. People just didn't understand it. They weren't quite ready for something like this. But in the mid-80s, this film got a theatrical re-release, and it actually wasn't until the early 2000s that it got its first home video release. And that's when this thing really took off. Criterion picked it up semi-recently, and now it's just all over the place and people love this movie. It's currently sitting at a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's inspired many films of today, including Pedro Almodovar's The Skin I Live In. Director George Frenjo didn't really go on to make a whole lot of other films of note. He mostly directed his attention after this to harboring new talent and helping the language of cinema flourish around France. He started a film club called Le Cirque du Cinema, where he would invite people into an old theater, show old silent films, and discuss the hell out of them. You might credit Frenjo for starting the basis of the first podcast. It's all your fault, buddy. It's all your fault that I'm here. My three adjectives are creepy, because it is. It's not really scary. It just gives you the creeps throughout, whether it's the mask or the surgery scene or any of the things. This was a very creepy film. Melancholy, because you really did feel what actress Edith Scope was going through as Christiane, and you spend a lot of time with the various women that are being kidnapped to have their faces removed as well. You hang with them before and after the surgery. It's kind of a little bit of a bummer, so prepare yourself for that. And lastly, foundational, because as I stated before, you wouldn't have a lot of the horror and suspense and thrillers that you have today without a movie like this existing. It pushed boundaries, it got panned because of that, and now it's seen as a huge success. So, foundational. I'm giving this one a B plus. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Did I love it, love it? No. But it's really, really good. And I would recommend this to anybody. It's got just enough gore and scares and stuff to make horror aficionados stoked to see it, but it sounds so over the top that you couldn't watch this with somebody that is a little more on the squeamish side. It rides that line very, very well, I think. Well, that's it for me. Check us out next week on another episode of Esoterico Cinema!